Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back. A Monday edition of the Mac and Bone Show, President's Day edition. Mac is out coaching soccer, so myself, T-Bone, here with you with Flounder all four hours. Plenty of college basketball chatter uh, ahead in this hour. We recap the All-Star game in hour number one, and what an absolute just joke that that continues to become. 211 points scored last night by the East. That is not me saying something wrong. It sounds weird to say it. 211 points scored by the East in their win last night. This segment is sponsored by Auto Shop of the Carolinas. Auto Shop of the Carolinas is celebrating President's Day right now. Get a $60 rebate card with the purchase of four BF Goodrich Terrain Family of Tires with free rotation for life of those tires. Check them out. Carolinashybrid.com. That's Carolinas Hybrid. Dot com. We're going to talk a little Panthers here because something is going on on the West Coast that needs to be monitored by us Panther fans and media here on the East Coast. It's It, it might be one of these flounder dream type topics. The reality is that it might not come uh, full circle to where it's possible, but there is some chatter in Seattle. You're going to hear why on Seattle radio here momentarily of what's going on here Mm -hmm. that DK Metcalf possibly could have a Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown situation where because of their roster, new coaching staff, all the money they have invested in a lot of parts on Seattle's offense that their DK Metcalf could be on the trade block here at some point. Yeah, he's the one, basically, he is the one expendable piece that they have at this point. Um, they they are seen as a team, I guess, at this point with a new coach that's rebuilding. Uh, they're talking about, you know, everything from, you know, their offensive and defensive lines to the quarterback position. There's even talk that they could be looking for a new quarterback over Geno Smith. So with all that, they have to find ways to free up cap space to be able to you know improve those areas and yeah dk metcalf is, is is one of those guys that has popped up that's probably their most tradable asset and it's led to a lot of conversation about him possibly ending up and, and as it should any name that pops up right at this point at the wide receiver position the panthers that this, they should be one of the first teams rumored this is a franchise changer as mentioned look what tyreek hill did for tua oh by the way alabama quarterback Look what A.J. Brown did for Jalen Hurts. Uh, by the way, Jalen Hurts, Alabama quarterback. It all fits in that. Could D.K. Metcalf be that franchise changer? Let's hear some audio, extended audio, from Brock and Salk on 610 Seattle Sports the other day explaining why D.K. Metcalf might be available and what it possibly could take, which is really the rub here when it comes to the Panther franchise. But if you really do want to try to make a change in who you are, DK Metcalf is probably the asset you have 
that would bring back the most and allow you to change your lineup or your roster construction. Yeah. This is not a, yeah, everybody I don't like sees DK the, Metcalf. Yeah, everybody sees the column and, and, and the initial reactions like, oh, here's Salk again. Here's right. hot taker Salk. He's so negative. He hates DK Metcalf. Get rid of DK Metcalf. DK's too selfish. He's too individual, yada, yada, yada. And really what you're saying is he's your, golly, when you look at it, he... How many other valuable trade chips do you have? Essentially none. I mean, I, I, there, a Woolen would be a valuable guy, but he's really, really young, and you get him, and you want him to bounce back anyway, and mm-hmm. he's much more valuable to you than he would be anybody else. I mean, you start to look at it, yeah, and it is probably DK. I mean, a, a Charles Cross would be another again. But just I'm not a looking young, at trade guys on the line correct. of scrimmage. So no. yeah, you know, when I see the the replies and the quote tweets and everything else that say things like, Why are we talking about trading DK? He's the best player on the offense at the moment. I know. I know that. I totally understand. You think teams are lining up to get the seventh best player on your offense? Mm-mm. This isn't trading DK for a fifth round pick. It's not addition by subtraction. This is, if you want another first-round pick and more than that, this is how you go out and get it. A.J. Brown went for a first and a third. D.K., in theory, should have a little bit more value because you've already paid him. So you're already eating the signing bonus, Mm -hmm. and the team that trades for him doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. So is D.K. worth two first-rounders? Is he worth what Jamal Adams was worth? Is he worth a first and a second? Is he worth, you know, there's a lot of conversations in there. If you got back a first and a second... And now, and a good first. Let's say you ended up with a 10 or 12 pick in addition to your number 16 pick and mm-hmm. got back a second rounder and two third rounders. Mm-hmm. You can start to turn this team into something that resembles what Mike McDonald says he wants. All right. Thanks to Brock and Salk, uh, 610 in Seattle, Seattle Sports Talk there, explaining what's going on and what it may take. Look, it may be ultimately one of these conversations we say, oh, there's no way they could pull that off. But when you look at what the Panthers need, when you look at the target, the big target, the downfield, the playmaking guy that the Panthers need, a guy that plays physical, you couldn't really draw up a better option I think right now of guys that could be out there than DK Metcalf. So that's one, two, look at our coaching staff right now. It's Dave Canales. It's DK's guy in Seattle. It's it's Dick. Did I say it right this time? It's Dick. Did I get it wrong again? Yes. What did I say? Is Dick, <laughs> which that's not sounds what, incredibly I gotta, dirty. I got to wow. tell you, not, not what you're looking for there on that one. But the point is all the Seattle Parts of the coaching staff right now, if you have any inkling at all that that he could be had, and I know you might say, don't give, you can't give up a first this year, but does Brian Burns come into play here? Possibly on a tag and trade, if possible, Mike McDonald, now the coach in Seattle, defensive guy, they talked about trying to get more physical in Seattle at the line of scrimmage and getting some defensive guys up there. I'm just trying to tie it all together that I you you would take DK Metcalf for what this team needs right now over Brian Burns because you have so much tied into Bryce Young. This is all about Bryce Young. How do you get Bryce Young better? You give Dave Canales DK Metcalf for Bryce Young. Look what they did together for Geno Smith. Yep. I, I look. I it agree with a you. Lot of, it may take a lot of future assets that you you might say. Oh no, they need a lot, but. DK Metcalf, to me, would be a franchise changer because of what he would do for Bryce Young. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think that you are 100% right on this. The thing is, is you have to figure out how Seattle would value Burns. 
Do they value him as a guy that you would trade straight up? Probably not, because it seems like what their mindset is, is, and that's just them on radio, so it's it's not speaking for the front office. But you'd imagine the mindset for Seattle with a first-time head coach. There's not a rush to win. They probably want draft picks to be able to build. So... Because they thought, the way, they, were, they thought they were going to have to rebuild, right? but they never they never actually had to do it. But who knows? They, they could look at the rebuild and say, yeah, maybe maybe Brian Burns is that piece. Because defense, that, that's how Seattle has always won, by having really good defenses. Their offense, it, 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 can, it can help, but they're not a team that is typically built by, we need to build our offense and then figure out our defense. They like it the other way around. So that could be an enticing piece for them. You might have to include a draft pick in there to probably help move it along a little bit. The thing for DK, I, and I'd be willing to even. I know this team needs. They don't have a first this year, so giving up future first. But at some oh, point, I don't know about but, a future first. Ooh, well, here's the ooh. deal. Look at his numbers: 2020, 1300 yards, 10 touchdowns, just shy of a thousand in 2021 with 12 touchdowns. He had. 1,000 yards in 2022, eight touchdowns. Last year, 1,174, eight touchdowns. People are saying he's not worth it. Look at those numbers right there compared to what we just saw. <laughs> Look at those touchdowns. Look at those numbers. And I'm telling you, ordinarily, I would say you don't give up a ton for a, a wide receiver when you have that many holes. But it, you need something for Bryce. And these guys don't pop open off. And how often this past year did I say you got to find your Tyreek Hill, your A.J. Brown? Who might be moved off a team unexpectedly? Is it likely? Would I put my my hard-earned money or well, earned money on this? Huh. That it would happen? Probably not. But Seattle, uh, excuse me, this staff's going to know as well as anybody what his value is to a quarterback and if it's possible. That's the well, thing. They're the, going to have intel here that a lot of teams may not have. In this right. Situation. The connection to th- this coaching staff is huge. That's a big part of the reason why this makes a lot of sense. But there would be, and I'm not saying he's not a good enough receiver. I think he definitely is. The thing about giving up a, fir- a future first-round pick is you could be giving up a future first-round pick for a guy that you may only have for two seasons because he'll be with the team Next year, if you trade for him, he has one more year after that, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So that's the thing. The extension that he signed in Seattle was very player-friendly because he will be able to go back on the market, potentially get more money. Are the Panthers going to be willing to pay? I mean, look at the cap hits that they're going to be taking as well. Does it does it fit what this roster needs right now? 24.5 this next year, 29.5 in 2025. That's a lot of money, man. I know. And he's, he's a really good receiver, but that kind of hamstrings you even more. But than, when you remember that it's all about Bryce right now, I, I guess so. That. That's, I that's, guess that's that. the part, by the way, I said six ten. it's seven ten in Seattle. I but apologize. My, my, I've my gotten thing, multiple stations wrong today, including our own. There we go. My thing is, is I'm, I'm just concerned more than the cap hit. The cap hit is significant, but I think if Burns was the guy that you ended up trading away, you would be having to pay that money somewhere on this roster anyways to one guy. I'm concerned about the fact that he's only here for two years because you could trade a future first-round pick for a dude that stays for two years and then leaves. That first-round pick would be more valuable to you. So that that's the that's where my concern is. Son of Swede suggests that you trade Burns for a first and then flip the first to get put in a DK Metcalf package. 
So you trade Burns somewhere else. You get it a fr- could happen, but is it guaranteed that Burns is going to bring back a first? It's at least an intriguing you know? thought. You know, the reality yeah, no, is. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. You have to have the conversation. No doubt. No doubt you have to have the conversation, but well, there any, are pushbacks. There's also the talk that Hunter Renfro is back on the market. Do you think that he fits what they need or they, they he's not a he's not a one? That that's what that's the issue here. I, I Renfro helps them like we talked about during the season, but they, again, he's not a one. They're looking for that one, that guy, that Evans, that that Metcalf, that someone that can be a dominant force. Renfro helps you. But I, I don't know if I'm all in on. I don't know what. And I'm just not. I'm not. Unless you find a guy at 33 that you just love, and you think this is this is a guy that can become a future star. I don't know how much Renfro moves the needle for you. Does that mean that I wouldn't entertain it, especially if it's something that's pretty friendly? Like maybe you have to give up like a, a fourth round pick or something like that. Yeah, for that I, I may I may be intrigued. But, yeah, I mean, if that's the guy that you're bringing in and you think that's going to change everything, I mean, look at this year. I mean, he played 17 games. He had 25 catches for 255 yards. So, yeah, I mean, back in 2021, he was phenomenal. Had over 100 catches. But since then, he's had 36 catches, 25 catches, and neither season he's gone over 330 yards. So his role has been majorly reduced in the last couple of years. I think that should probably make you question. Now, he was injured in 2022. He only played in 10 games. But, I mean, that's that's the thing. I don't really know how good he actually is. I think he's a solid receiver, but I think he would kind of fit in with this group that we've had last year of some guys that are a little unknown like he could be the Hayden Hurst of wide receivers well right? I was gonna say like if he can move the chains he would actually probably replace some of the tight end production they don't have yeah it's a good point <laughs> to be honest he'd be a wide receiver that basically would be like kind of almost like your de facto tight end unless they find somebody else send in your text on the FanDuel WFNZ text line 704-570-9610 we'll read them all and then we'll pick out which one or two we can actually read on the on the airwaves when we come back Brian Ralph heat check college basketball talks about the wins this weekend for Duke for Carolina for state and the red hot Charlotte 49ers on sports radio 92.7 WFNZ Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here on the Mac and Bone Show, T-Bone and Flounder with a... Tim uh, T-Bone's in today? <laughs> T-Bone's in today. Well, you were having a day, man. I mean, I'm having a great show so far. Got the name of the uh, station wrong to start us out. Concerning. I, fi- I fired Jerry Stackhouse. Very I, concerning. I fell for a meme 
I got the Seattle station numbers. I am having myself oh my a day. Gosh. You know what? I feel like I'm the guy that does this. I'm just a filling house, right? That's, that's true. I'm man. just here for today. Not everybody can be Willie P. I mean, let's be, <laughs> let's be real honest here. We're going to go now to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. One of my favorite guys will join us. Just an absolute junkie. I mean that in the best way possible. An absolute basketball junkie. Brian Ralph, the senior national writer for Heat Check College Basketball. That's on X at Heat Check CBB and the host of the Hangout podcast at the Hangout CBB. Also on X joins us now. Brian, man, we're almost there to March. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are. We are good. We got a lot of teams to cover. We got some some teams uh, having unexpected years. One of them is the Charlotte 49ers. What are your thoughts right now on the job that Aaron Fern has done uh, to get this Charlotte program trending in the in a positive direction, really for the first time in more than a decade? Yeah, it, it's been incredible the way they've turned things around in conference play. Really, the first month or two of the season were were slow going, which was to be expected, given all of the uh, all of the uh, things that happened this off season. To, to put it nicely, with that program. Uh, but he's got them back playing at a, at a really, really high level. They're good on both ends of the court, uh, really good defending the three. They've found a style that works for them, right? They, they slow yeah. it down and are more deliberate with their offense. It's not, it's not Virginia-like. Uh, I know every time we talk about so tempo, everyone automatically goes, it's kind of boring. Charlotte's not, though. Like, they, they share the ball pretty well. They space the floor. They've got a number of guys who can fill it up. Um, that coupled with high-level defense and running teams off the three-point line, uh, it's been the recipe for them. And, you know, I know they got a big game coming up here in, in two weekends, uh, if everything holds serve when South Florida comes to town. But the job they've done in AAC play uh, is a huge, huge testament to this coaching staff. Hey, Brian, how's it going, man? Uh, wanted to ask you about the Tar Heels. You know, the other day they get back on track against Virginia Tech. Nice 15-point win. Sort of similar to the wins that we saw during their win streak to begin the uh, ACC season. Now, what do you think? Was that them bouncing back and it shows you that they sh- that people shouldn't be that concerned about them? Or should people still be a little bit concerned about that two and three stretch that they went through there in the middle of conference play? Yeah, well, I'll find out, uh, I'll say, in a week or two, which is if they can keep that level of play back up. I mentioned that 10-game win streak. I wrote about this in a recent Ralph report. That's up on com. But during that 10-game win streak, they were the best defense in the country. They were better than Houston. Uh, they were better than Virginia, better than Iowa State. They had the best defense in the country. During that two and three stretch, uh, they were like outside the top 130 in defensive efficiency. And, and I, I saw fans online saying, well, it's tough when other teams just make shots. And there's part of that that's true. Uh, but the rotations were much slower. Uh, they were not as aggressive as they needed to be. It, it was a problem. And so for me, for this Carolina team, you know they're going to score points when they get up and down the court. But they have to defend at a really, really high level to make throwing and march that, that we've shown that they've shown that they can. But uh, again, it's now been three weeks or so two two to three weeks since they've played defense consistently at that high level. I want to see them string some games together with that high level defense before I'm ready to, to fully get back on board. We're talking to Brian Ralph. He's on X at B Ralph 33 and at he check CBB. Check out all his uh, great college basketball content. They're with us on the body works plus uh, guest hotline Brian Duke a lot of wins it, it might surprise some people that they're 15 and two in their last 17 games with only one full roster loss and that was the game uh, in Chapel Hill not dominant but they're finding a way 
What, what do you think the, the biggest key for them is going to be in March to make this a, a happy time for Blue Devil fans? Yeah, I, I honestly think it's going to be Jared McCain continuing to play the way that he has played. Uh, he was absolutely on fire against Florida State this weekend. But with this Duke team, they're, they're a very good team. We thought they were going to be great because we thought they were going to get really more from the backcourt, particularly Tyrese Proctor, right? And, yeah. and that hasn't come to fruition. The result of that is Kyle Filipowski's had to carry pretty much all the scoring load on the offensive end. And there are guys who, who will you know pick their spots and contribute game to game, but there hasn't been that consistent high-level perimeter score, right? McCain has stepped up and become that over the last five to ten games or so. If he can continue playing at this high level, that gives them that perimeter option to pair a Filipowski and really give teams some problems. We talk all the time, right, in March about how guard play and experience matters, and Duke has some experience, but they haven't had the, the elite-level guard play. McCain can provide that. Now, Brian, uh, what about NC State? You know, they pick up a big win over the weekend against Clemson. You know, this is a team that it's it, they've had their ups and downs throughout the year, but it just right now, I don't know if they have the resume to get into the tournament, but they got some opportunities coming up. What do they have to do to f- find themselves in the conversation to make the tournament this year and potentially save Kevin Keats' job? I don't want to say they have to win out, but they, they, they might have to. They probably have to beat at least both UNC and Duke down the stretch. And they play both of them in March. I think they have to win at least both of those games. And maybe you can afford one loss other than that. But they lack those big wins. Uh, they've had a lot of close calls uh, recently where they've been, been in games and late in games and lost by a possession or two or three down the stretch. Those guys start turning into wins. Now, I, I do think they're playing at a pretty high level certainly uh, higher than they've played maybe a month or so ago, and the win over Clemson is indicative of that. But you're right. Like To, to this point, they don't have the resume of an at-large team. The ACC does not present a lot of opportunities for those high-level, like, I can hang my hat on this win on my resume kind of games. But UNC and Duke are two of those. And NC State has those on their schedule left. They win both of those, handle business elsewhere. I think they can get in the mix, but it's, it's certainly a tall task. Brian, how much of a season-defining week might this be for Wake Forest? They were close to a couple big wins last week, didn't get them, but all of a sudden Pittsburgh comes in hot to to Winston, and they host Duke. Are we going to kind of find out, and maybe not the full fate of Wake, but close to it this week? Yes. Uh, Yes. I I actually wrote about this in a Ralph report that's up on heatexubi.com right now. It's one that came out this morning. Um, Wake Forest has two quad one wins in the last four years since oh, Forbes took over. Um, yeah, and and they only have one this year. They're 1-5 and five against top 50 teams, and that's been the issue with them because you watch them play, and they look good in the eye test. The analytics all, all really like Wake Forest. They have the analytics of a bubble team, but they just don't have those wins. They haven't been able to get over the hump. And kind of to the point in the ACC, th- these are their last good opportunities to get big wins this week with Pitt at home and Duke at home. I think they kind of need to win both of those games to feel good about where they are. They certainly need to beat Pitt. Uh, but if you can beat Pitt and beat Duke, then I think the conversation about Wake Forest being an NCAA tournament team are, are valid. If they were to lose one or, or both of those, it's auto bid or bust. Brian, one of the great stories in college basketball is, is a team that you, you know well. That's the story of the Gamecocks and the job that Lamont Paris has done. He's got national recognition. They moved up very, very fast, both in seeding and ranking. 
It's one thing to lose to Auburn by 40 because that's a tough place to play. They blow a lead to LSU, 16-point lead at home. Are, are you concerned that there's a little regression here with the Gamecocks and maybe they moved up so fast it might ultimately hurt them down the line? Yeah, somewhat. I think it's hard not to, right? The Auburn game I was not as concerned about. I think you should be with a final score like that. That's a bad matchup for South Carolina. And Auburn, the way that they typically play at Neville Arena, a game against Kentucky on Saturday excluded, um, That was, I think you could see a blowout coming, not necessarily a blowout of that magnitude, but South Carolina struggles against those kind of teams that make them play fast and, and really pressure you defensively. The LSU loss is more concerning because you had a big lead, LSU was not a very good team. You were at home, and you let it slip away. Right? You, you can't blame the Auburn loss turning into two losses on that because you came out and you had a double-digit lead in the second half, and you let it all all slip away. That's the concerning part to me because this is the week, really the first week this season that South Carolina has looked like a team that was picked to finish last in the SEC or in the bottom half of the SEC, and they haven't looked that way all season long, largely because of, of their experience and, and kind of the, the smart – high back like he played they've gotten from the transfers they brought in those guys haven't played smart the last week they, they've, they've gone away from their identity and that's the concerning part it should be pretty easy to get back considering they were 21 and 3 they have a pretty long track record of, of producing at this level this season um but they are 100 trending in the wrong direction Brian, uh, last thing i'll ask you it's about the acc perception you know there's a lot of people in this area that are not happy with you know where the brackets are at. A lot of people thinking that the conference as a whole is being disrespected. With most people putting you know four teams, sometimes even three teams into the NCAA tournament. What, what do you make of that? Do you think that the ACC does have a perception problem right now? Is is there you know a narrative out against the ACC like some people in this area think? I don't think so. Like, I, I'm one of those ones who think the ACC has generally been, been pretty down really the last five years or so. And I know the, the people who will back the ACC will point to the tournament success that they've had and the runs that, that a couple teams have made. And that's true. But the issue with the ACC, I would argue, is not the teams at the top, right? It is not Duke. It is not, it is not North Carolina. Uh, even Miami the last couple of years, I know this year has been different. It hasn't been that those teams aren't good. It has been the teams, let's say, you know, four through ten, four through eleven. The the ones who would fill the seeds in the in the seven seed to twelve seed range, the, the bubble teams, the strength of your league aside from the top ten, top fifteen teams in the country, that's been the issue. Because those teams haven't consistently won games. I think Virginia's a good example of this this year. Virginia is a is a solid team. We've seen them perform well in ACC play, but they didn't really pick up a ton of big non conference wins. Right, they they got blown out by Wisconsin. They got blown out by a couple teams that they played in non-conference. Miami, the same kind of deal. They went on the road to Kentucky and, and got it absolutely handed to them by the Wildcats. There, those teams went on the road or went out in non-conference and did not show well. And so when that happens, that diminishes the, the outlook for your league. And then you get into league play, and those teams start beating up on each other. Nobody's able to maintain momentum. Well, those, those all kind of accumulate as, as bad losses because nobody has proven that they can really be good. I still think the talent is there in the ACC. I don't think it's necessarily as good as it was 10 years ago. But this is still a really good league. They just haven't been able to, to get those wins. I, I don't think the coaching, uh, to, to get more big picture, the coaching is high, as high level overall in the league as it was five, 10 years ago, which is an issue with it. Um, but, yeah, like 
Duke's probably going to make a make a run. UNC is probably going to make a run. You can even look in and say Clemson might win a couple games in the in the NCAA tournament. But by and large, like that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh team in the ACC, who do you who would you put in there that you trust? Because right now the, the resumes of those teams have shown that we can't really trust them. Brian, one more one more team of, of local note before we send you on your way, because at Heat Check College Basketball, you guys aren't just about the Blue Bloods. You cover every conference, every team. How how dangerous could App State be if they get a, you know, if they're a 12 or a 13 and they get a 4 or a 5 as they're projected now, we know that they're going to have to to win their way into the Sun Belt. But, but how dangerous are we looking at Mountaineers being for a team in that in that first round, potentially? Very dangerous. Very dangerous. If if I'm if I'm Duke or South Carolina, who was in that that four to five seed range, uh, I am crossing my fingers and hoping that App State does not pop up as that twelve or thirteen seed in my region. Should App State App State make the tournament, uh, this is a really really good defensive team. They're a very experienced team. They're not the best offensively, but they they do enough. They have enough shooters. They have enough space and they push the pace enough. They find ways to get get easy baskets. But like Auburn went into to Boone at App State and lost pretty convincingly. The James Madison team that went and beat Michigan State, App State swept them. Like, this is a team that has proven they can play with and beat high-level competition because of the way they really defend you. Uh, and they, they've got some experienced guard play as well. Uh, some guys are coming from the transfer portal and done pretty well for them. So uh, of those mid-majors that are likely to slide in that shoulder 13 line, I have a few every year that I almost automatically pencil in as upsets. And App State's one of those teams for me this year. I, I think they're a really, really good team, capable of winning at least an NCAA tournament game. Oh, so he's got App State beating one of my two teams. That's that's wonderful there to hear. Uh, Duke or <laughs> South Carolina. Brian, go ahead, promote your content. What are you guys working on this week right now at uh, Heat Check College Basketball? Yeah, you can check us out on HeatCheckCBB.com or on Twitter or X, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I'll never go. get used to calling it X. I'll never get used to calling <laughs> no, it X. No, it's, but, it's, but it's a crime, artist, yes. The artist formerly known as Twitter uh, at, at HeatCheckCBB or B, B Ralph 33 uh, We got a lot coming down the pipe both this week uh, and coming up this month. Obviously, it's the month of, of college basketball. We're, that's our time to shine. We have a, a lot of conference tournament stuff coming down the pipeline. We'll have previews for, for all 32 conference tournaments. And we're going to get into, obviously, NCAA tournament prep as well. Uh, bracketology, uh, I think three times a week on the website updates and, and a pretty detailed bubble watch a more detailed bubble watch than you'll find anywhere else across the country um so make sure you check it out at hechecktv.com all right brian thank you be well man i appreciate it you guys have a good one there he is brian ralph heat check college basketball kind enough to join us for an extended time there on the body works plus guest hotline love that site because you know you find out they they, they cover all college basketball. You hear them talking Charlotte, App State. Not every analyst can go as deep as they do uh, at Heat Check College Basketball. I thought he was outstanding on everything he used to. Oh, there we go. Yeah, next time we got to ask him about like High Point, UNC well, Greensboro. Well, well, that, that's <laughs> a good point because there's so many good we, teams. We've in talked, state, we've talked App, we've talked a lot of Charlotte, we've yep. talked a lot about the normal teams. High Point, UNC Wilmington beat Kentucky this year. They might get in. So High Point. Uh, Wilmington College of Charleston's very good again this year. Yeah, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of teams in this local area that are really playing well. Um, you know, and then there's NC State. So oh, no, look at that. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, that, I'm they, sorry. They, they, that was a massive win. That for was Keith. that yeah. was huge. And I thought, I, you know, I, I got to be honest. I was kind of shocked that he said that they have to win out. I mean. I guess I get what he's saying. He, it's all they, about that net rating, man, and it's hard. It's hard to project some of it because it's it's changing a lot, right? Yeah, Wake, that's, Wake Forest picked up a 
quad one win this weekend because Florida is now a quad one win. So a lot of stuff lose, lose a quad one game and you end up picking up a quad yeah. one win because of what somebody else does somewhere else. It's crazy. Uh, this seven is sponsored by North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. North Carolina Medicaid is for people like you. Full health care coverage at low or no cost. Doctors visits, emergency rooms and prescriptions. See if you qualify at Medicaid.nc.gov. When we come back, it's weekend conclusions. I'm going to honor a favorite writer now of the Mac and Bone Show. And I've got an idea. Oh, I figure something out here on how to make the slam dunk contest better. Sports oh, Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back in the Mac and Bone Show here on a Monday. Mac is uh, in the big city of Kernersville, North Carolina, uh, near where I grew up coaching his youth soccer team. We don't have any word yet on how they're doing in this tournament. For all we know, uh, Mac could just be at home and they got knocked out over the weekend. We really have no idea. We just know that he's coaching. Oh, he better not. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. This is Weekend Conclusions, conclusions in sports and in life. Send in yours, 704-570-9610 on the FanDuel WFNZ text line. My first conclusion, Flounder, I often get confused when you see teams honoring guys, legends with jersey retirements or whatever, right? like way past due. I understand that things happen and not everything ends well like Shaq in Orlando, they couldn't honor him until he was done playing. It takes a while. But does it not feel like some of these things take a long time? Like Shaq has not played in Orlando since 1996, and he now just got honored. Yarmir Yager just got honored by the Penguins this weekend, and I was going to go off on why did it take so long to honor Yarmir Yager, who started playing in 1990, and then it dawned on me, oh, yeah. Yarmir Yager's not done playing yet. He's still playing in Russia. This man started his career when I was six. I was six years old when Yarmir Yager was skating around with the mullet flapping around, flying around for the Penguins. He is still playing, Flounder. How old were you in 1990? Negative six. So I wanted to like, you know, rage on the Penguins for taking so long here. But then I realized, no, they can't really do a time that fits Yarmir's schedule because he's still playing hockey at 78 years old. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they definitely there are some guys that it takes a really, really long time to honor. Like, the, the for example, I'll use one of my teams as an example. It Mets a couple of years ago retired Keith Hernandez's number. Yeah, Why did it take so example. long? And that's, I mean, look, and he's, they, by the way, we know where Keith is. He's there every day. Yes, exactly. It's pretty easy to track him down. So, 
Hornets and Hornets and Muggsy Bogues. At some point, man, we got to do this. That's the thing, man. Like, I mean, the Panthers, like, I I think they've done a good job. And, you know, to some extent, people are wondering if they're putting some people in a little too quick and they're going to run out of guys here soon. Um, But the Hornets, like, yeah, at some point, you got to put Muggsy up there. Dell's got to go up there at some point. And again, with Dell, we know exactly where he is every (laughs) single game. Yes. So it's not hard to track him down. Uh, My first conclusion, Bone, is, I mean, at this point, NASCAR just has the worst weather luck ever. This every time you think. They showed a map yesterday (laughs) of the rain around the country. And the only place where it is raining is in the state of Florida. It's unbelievable that from uh, 1969 all the way to 2003, the Daytona did not, uh, 500 did not have to be delayed. Since 2003, there have been 11 races at Daytona for, or for, for in the first, you know, first race of the year in February where they have had to delay the race. It's amazing. NASCAR just has the worst luck. I, I think people uh, there, there will still be a lot of people that will be able to watch today, but you can make the argument that it's really hurting the TV ratings that they just can't get the weather luck to have the Daytona 500 on a Sunday. Yeah, and every time it gets to Monday, immediately we all think that Martin Truex Jr. is now going to win the Daytona 500 because the guy is just an absolute machine on Mondays. Mondays, baby. My next conclusion, I I love the three-point contest. I don't love the dunk contest, but I've always felt that the three-point contest every year it's drama. It's entertaining. It's not something that we ever consider not to be good. But the whole all-star Saturday night events, I thought, were overshadowed by truly how bad Kenny Smith was. And I'm a fan of Kenny Smith on Inside the NBA. I think he's wonderful for his role. He plays between Shaq and Charles. I think he's good on the college basketball stuff. I don't know what was going on the other night, but I had a thought while he was just yammering on about numerous things the whole evening. I think they should take Kenny Smith off that coverage. And this is how bad it is. I think Tony Romo should be the guy oh that calls this land. That's okay. how now bad. You're I miss, Kenny Smith was so bad. I miss Romes. I miss Tony Romo. Could you imagine Tony Romo finder calling slam dunks? Oh, I don't know, Gene. It wasn't, he'd have to review them all. I think Tony Romo will be sensational calling the slam dunk contest. Get out Kenny Smith. Put in Tony Romo. Let's go. That's okay. how bad he truly was the I'm, other day. I, I think he was awful. I, I look, Kenny Smith was was not great. Far from his finest night. I think you are panicking a little too much. Between the legs, Jim. Go. Between the legs, uh, Dunkaroo, Jim. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know what was worse, him or the dunk contest in and of itself. Like what? Uh, and, and this is this is my next conclusion because it, it it goes right off of that. Yeah. The dunk contest. What what impresses people anymore? The dunks that should impress people. Like Jacob Toppin, I, I don't, and, and people will say, oh, it's because you're a Nick fan. Well, part of it is, certainly. But the other part of it is, I, I don't, like, I don't understand, like, some of the scores that these guys get for doing these crazy dunks. Like, it, it, I, it doesn't make any sense. And then Jalen Brown is rewarded the way he is for basically doing nothing. I, I just, I, I don't understand the it's way they past, score these it's, anymore. It's, there's no... There's no dunk that can be done at this point that we really haven't seen. So these guys exactly. and the creative bug, it's just zapped because 
I mean, I, I swear to you, how many times have people jumped over people? I think Shaq's been out there. How many times now? I feel like they've tried to jump over Shaq a lot. He's always well, out there. Well, they were there. like so – yeah, that's the thing. Plenty of people have jumped over him before. And also, like, guys, you think jumping over a seven-footer is something we haven't seen in this generation? It's like, just, we see yeah, it all the time almost. Pick your Pick your seven-footer. I just – I don't always blame the dunkers. It's just – that's why I like the three-point stuff much better than I do the dunk because – I agree with I that. never complain about the, the three-point contest. I want to give a Mac Attack uh, award here to our new favorite NFL – Mac and Bone Show award. What do I call it? Mac Attack. I'm telling you, man, this is your most efficient day yet. It's one mistake an hour. I'm not even getting, by the way, I, I can't even blame that. I, I do this segment with Matt. So it's not like I'm doing something out of the ordinary here. God, maybe I just missed those days when I had so little pressure on me. What's, what's that name got on the show? Oh, my God. All of a sudden, the pressure about. Uh, I want to give an award, a Mac and Bone Award to Gilbert Gilberto Manzano. Okay. One of the true, I think, best NFL writers out there. He works for SI.com. He's got a piece up right now about Bryce Young having a major bounce back year oh, next year. Now, ask me what the article says. Father. What? So what's his reasoning, Bone? I have no idea. It's behind, the, pay, it's behind the paywall. But all it says is... How do you give him an award? <laughs> well, because the headline itself. I assume it's oh, good. Okay. This is the day right. and age we live in. He's got a piece up on Bryce Young that I got to pay for. I'm not doing it. But Gilberto Manzano, he loves Bryce Young, and I'm sure the article's good. I wish I could tell you what it says, but I can't unless you give me your credit card number. So we're just giving away awards for, for anything. Hey, anything that involves right. Bryce Young making that leap. I guarantee you, Mac will want this guy on the show without any knowledge of what the article actually says. All right, Bo, my last yeah. conclusion, I, I have to go back to Kenny Smith. And you, you pointed to just the night overall. I have to point to a specific moment. Uh, I did not understand at all what was going on after the three-point shootout between Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, Kenny Smith, apparently, this it, it, it bothered him a lot that Sabrina was using a women's ball and shooting from beyond the arc. Take a listen to Kenny Smith trying to explain why he was not happy about how the contest went. I, I, I think she should have shot from the women's line. She should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still root for Sabrina. I still root for Sabrina. We all are rooting for Sabrina. No. She should have shot from the three-point line that the women shoot from. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? That's not a boundary. She That's what the game is. She wanted to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She shot a WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA ball. Yeah, but ball. she, she should have shot from the line. It, it, there's it, it, a it, women's it, it, tee in golf and there's a men's tee. For a reason. No. She a shooter shoot. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, but they shoot from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina Good job, shot. Sabrina. No, but but don't let any man put boundaries on you like Kimmy. Uh, but then give him a regular ball there. Don't let him put boundaries on you. Give him a regular ball there. Reggie Miller, 1,000% uh, yeah. right. Uh, Kenny Smith missed the whole point of all that. Like, she was trying to compete equally with a man, the greatest shooter of all time. And he he, he completely missed the point of what that moment meant. I, Reggie, yeah. Reggie didn't, but I, Kenny I Smith just, did. I, I just don't understand. Like, who was thinking about this stuff in that moment? Who was thinking, man, Nobody, she's man. of women's ball. This is unbelievable. I, I mean, what was he mad that she kept it as close as she did? I just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And. 
I mean, look, man, it's not the greatest look for Kenny Smith. I don't know what was going on that night. You said it the entire night. He was kind of annoying people. People were speculating as he been uh, has been drinking a little bit, something like that. But it was it was far from his best night. No, not a. It became the Kenny Smith show, really. Honestly, the the whole evening from the the skills challenge to the end, it was all about Kenny Smith yelling stuff out. And I like Kenny, but I did not like that performance. One last uh, weekend conclusion for me: while the dunk contest was going on. I, uh, I saw a tweet about this, and I started watching videos of, uh, of an emerging sport flounder. Did you know that <laughs> and people gather to watch this stuff, oh, like boy. crowds gather? Did you know that competitive bed making is a sport? What? Oh, yeah. Check out these videos. They, they put them in like this room, and they've got to make the bed as fast as possible without making mistakes. I saw one guy mess up on the uh, – I'm not too good with the the bed terms. Is it uh, a, is it a duvet? Duvet. Uh, Duvet, duvet, is that what it's called? I think yes, it's called a duvet, duvet, duvet yes. not a duvet. Yeah, I'll put that. A duvet where the guy messed it up, the crowd didn't. I'm telling you right now, competitive bed making entertained me more than a slam dunk contest did. That's Truly. a sad state that we're at, man. This sem was sponsored by the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. North Carolina Medicaid is for people like you. Full health care coverage at low or no cost. Doctors, visits, emergency rooms, and prescriptions. See if you qualify at medicaid.nc.gov. When we come back, we talk all things basketball. More about the All-Star game itself last night and what the hell did we witness in that game. And plenty more on the busy, busy weekend of local North Carolina basketball and South Carolina college hoops. On Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, the Mac and Bone Show.